0: Everybody welcome to the latest and greatest episode of Inside the Hexagon. I am your host as always, Phil Lanides, and today is going to be a very very different episode. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I'm not feeling very well. I'm kind of sick. But I wanted to get an episode to you this week and it's going to be different today. There's actually not going to be anybody on the call, you know, on the line with me today. This isn't an interview episode. Josh isn't joining me. I don't have a script. I am just going to kind of give you the origin story behind Inside the Hexagon and what made me want to start it, and also kind of the backstory behind what got me involved in MMA. So I hope that you'll strap in and go with on, go on this ride with me. Again, this is kind of raw, uh, you know, uncut, and just, I don't even know how long it's going to be, how short it's going to be, but we're just going to kind of dive into this. But I've been involved in public relations uh, since about 2007, and I started off in tech PR. And then I went into a little bit of theater PR based. I was based in the Bay area at that time. And from there uh, I I decided to launch into MMA PR. And the reason that I did that was I I grew up a pro wrestling fan. was always a big, always always a big wrestling fan and then i heard about this thing called the ultimate fighting championship in the early 90s and this was back in the days of vhs tapes and i used to love going to the local video store and man what new pay-per-views you know wrestling pay-per-views have they got this week that i haven't already seen and i remember one time we uh, we rented wrestlemania 5 which was the mega powers explode uh, from our, our local video store and we ended up losing it and and we ran up fees and if, if I remember right, it was like a couple thousand dollars and we're like yeah my dad's like yeah we're not paying that so uh, we just never went back to that video store if I remember correctly but anyways I'd heard all I'd started seeing these ultimate fighting championship VHS tapes and so I rented them and and I started watching those with my my buddy and uh, I really started getting into it I played one of the first UFC video games, and I used to play as Tito because I always liked Tito Ortiz because I always liked the, the flames, you know, shooting out of his shorts and that sort of thing. And so I became a fan. And then I got into Pride Fighting Championships in the in the mid 2000s, and my future brother-in-law and I both really, really got into Pride, and we really watched, really enjoyed watching those events. They were just spectacles from the, you know, the 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 WWE style entrances for some of the fighters and then you know their look and i mean man Mirko Krokop kicking guys heads off their shoulders and fedor emilioneko just mowing through heavyweights and uh antonio rodrigo noguera submitting guys left and right and some of the uh really really fun japanese fighters takanori gomi i always loved watching him shingo oyama was always uh Entertaining just just you know, the Gracie's were there and uh, it was yeah, Kazushi Sakuraba one of my favorite all-time fighters right there I mean, there's just so many great fighters and fights in that promotion And so that really but I was still following UFC of course And this was you know the beginnings of the uh, and then the reemergence of the Ken Shamrock Tito Ortiz feud and Rainy Couture versus the trilogy with with Chuck Liddell And then of course the trilogy between Tito and Chuck and just everything that was going on with that time I enjoyed it so so very much and I remained a, a. I'd actually kind of fallen away from wrestling and just was really focused on MMA. And so I reached out to Kevin Iole, who is a a Yahoo Sports writer. I still I believe he's still writing MMA and boxing for them today, uh, as I record this. But uh, he I reached out to him and he said, you know, I think that there could be a market for this because I'm I not getting pitched by publicists and you know, there's really not a whole lot. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of PR going on within MMA, and so. I started reaching out to local fight promotions and I hooked up with gladiator challenge and I wasn't it, I man, I was paying 250 bucks a month. I think 200 or 250 bucks a month to live in a trailer behind my grandfather's house. I was single. I, you know, I just, I didn't really have many bills. And so it was, I didn't need much. And so after, uh, just g- g- garnering a couple clients, I decided to launch out and I started, I believe it was the, the fall of 2008. If I remember correctly, and I just, I just started and I started doing PR and I was getting paid monthly. And, you know, I, I, it was just an incredible experience and I never made much money. I think the best year I had was like, I made like 30 something thousand dollars. I mean, it really wasn't all that, that lucrative, but I had some really, really incredible experiences. I got to work with a lot of fighters, some of them directly. Some of them I worked for their managers, uh, but I worked with, uh, for a while I worked with John Jones's manager. Uh, I I remember picking Tyron Woodley up from the airport for a Strikeforce event once for one of his fights. I remember uh, doing all, I I mean, I I got to go to Hawaii and and, uh, I ended up, Uh, I was doing PR for an event there and I ended up being the ring announcer because I didn't like how the The guy that was the ring announcer was dressing for the event And so I wanted I felt like it needed to look more professional And so I said well, I was wearing a sport coat with nice jeans and I said all right I'll do it and I tried it and uh, I ended up it, this part wasn't my fault, but basically they ended up putting the names in the wrong order. So I announced the wrong fighter. And then what, you know, the guy came out was clearly not the guy that I had announced. And then what was I supposed to do? So, you know, repeat it for the next guy. So I just kind of went with it. And and then I, I ended up getting booed basically out of the building because I miss I missta- I I didn't say the name of the arena correctly. Uh, Neil Blaisdell, I still can't even say it really correctly, the Neil Blaisdell Arena. And and so I got booed out of the building and I sheepishly handed the mic back over to the guy in the t-shirt and the flip-flops and the shorts and said, you do this. (laughs) But I had some, you know, again, some really cool experiences. One of my experiences I shared in depth was uh, the Shine Fights experience where the pay-per-view was canceled at the last minute and almost getting beaten up backstage and all that stuff. But one of the more positive experiences I had was hooking up with Force. And Micah Fromovitz was uh, basically their head of communications. I ended up getting hired to basically do website content for them. I would interview fighters and, and post up articles. And I wrote under the name Johnny Preston. Uh, I didn't want to be accused of, you know, kind of like, <laughs> like taking money from promotions when I was working for other promotions, even though I was absolutely doing that. There's nothing wrong with it. I was working as a freelancer, but uh, just to be safe, I, I wrote under a, a pen name. So I did a, a bunch of interviews for them. I would meet with Scott Coker about once a month at I believe a Noah's Bagels in the Willow Glen neighborhood of San Jose, and he would show me different things, and and you know I was just kind of learning from him, and he actually showed me. The heavyweight Grand Prix, which was one of the final really big things that that Scott did with Strike Force. He showed that to me uh, before, you know, he announced it. And and that was always I always felt really cool that he did that. And I saw it and I did he told me to keep it to myself and I did. Uh, but yeah, working with Strike Force was was really cool. I mean, to me, that was my hometown promotion. I had gone to the very, very first Strike Force event with my brother in law. Uh, we weren't uh, we weren't brothers-in-law at that time, but we went when Frank Shamrock and Caesar Gracie. Faced off so we were there. We were two of the 18,000 plus that were there in attendance I went to a bunch of strike force events at the San Jose Arena I was there the night that Fedor got submitted by Fabricio Verdun, which I was actually there at cage side and um, I was I believe representing a uh, one of the MMA publications that night and you know doing play-by-play for them on through their website and uh, Not not commentary play-by-play but written play-by-play and, uh, and you know, just from an MMA perspective I had my heart broken that night And so, uh, so yeah, it was just, it was a really cool experience, but by the end of it, after about four years, uh, I kind of saw the writing on the wall and basically the people that, you know, the fighters and promotions that needed my services couldn't really afford, afford it. And the, the fighters and promotions that could afford it didn't really need it. And so I I just had to kind of come to that realization after a few years and, and made the decision. I was married at that point and had to support my family. And so I went back into tech PR in 2012. And, and so it was, you know, it was a four year period of my life that I look back on fondly. It was, you know, very interesting and unique. And I don't think there's a lot of people that can claim the experiences that I have. And then in the, uh, the mid 2010s, I guess, is that the way you say it? <laughs> uh, I, I started hearing about podcasting and I was just I was hooked and, and just so intrigued by this storytelling platform. I mean, it's such a, such an amazing opportunity to be able to reach people and tell stories, you know, and that's, as a publicist, that's at the core of what I do. I, I tell stories. I mean, they're, you know, true stories, but I tell stories to, to the media in the hopes that they will write articles and, and basically essentially advertise my clients for free. I mean, that's in essence what I'm looking to do. And so. I started a history podcast called History Personified. Don't bother looking it up because... It's gone at this point, but I had so much fun doing that It was a weekly show and I would just cover historical topics that uh, were of interest to me. I got to interview some, uh, I got to interview some pro wrestlers like Lex Luger, um, which was a, a lot of fun for me and uh, Con- Conrad Thompson, the pod father. Uh, this was at the beginning of, of his time getting into podcasting and I interviewed him when he was doing the Ric Flair show with his future father-in-law and I talked about the career of Ric Flair and, uh, and then of course, I mean military history, I'm a huge World War II history but And so we did we I I did some podcasts on that. I I did some podcasts on the the mafia, just all kinds of different stuff. And I would have these different authors come on the show and and talk about their book and talk about whatever that they had, you know, the subject of that book. I started getting pitched by uh, by book publicists and they would send me books in hopes that I would have their their client on. And uh, I was really, really pleased to be able to have Uh, the grandson of Larry Fine from the Three Stooges on. And then they actually reached back out to me and asked me if I would interview uh, the daughter, Joan Maurer, the daughter of Mo Howard. And so I had her on for, I think she was only supposed to be on for like 10 minutes. I think we ended up talking for about 20 and she was, even though she was, I believe, in her late 80s at that point, sharp as attack, And I su- super enjoyed talking with her. I, I believe uh, I-, I talked with one of the the survivors of the Jonestown Massacre. I mean, it, it was just such a such an interesting time. And I just, at that point, I- I'd had my, you know, my wife and I had, had our first child. And then uh, our second child was on the way. And it just, it was getting to be too much. And so after about a year and a half, I-, I shut down the show. But I always felt the itch to get back into podcasting. Again, I love storytelling. I love talking. I love communicating and so I, I i just again was f- feeling that itch uh, about uh, a little over well now uh, a little over a year ago and was just you know what what can i put out there that's unique and it's like looking at my mma history or you know my time in mma hey i, I this is a unique part of my life and it's a unique thing that i again i don't think a lot of people can claim you know to have this uh, history and so i'd planned to launch it as a solo podcast however Uh, when i reached out to some of my former mma contacts one of them responded and that was josh molina and josh i was familiar with the name i remembered him i had pitched him when he was writing for various publications but come to find out that he had also worked for strike force in pretty much the same uh you know the the same role as i i had he was inter and i believe he interviewed even more fighters than i did and i think he might have been with them longer than with the promotion longer than me so we talked and started getting, know, getting to know each other a little bit, and he said he was interested, and I was like, you know what, I would love to have someone to cover these events with me and, you know, kind of share the load and, you know, maybe interview some of the fighters, and so we started talking and it ended up saying, yeah, let's do this. We figured out the technology of how to make it work, and, uh, you know we were we were off to the races and we launched at the end of July 2020 in the you know the middle of the uh, the pandemic Uh, but it's just been such an an enjoyable ride and I've really really had a good time we've talked with you know Scott Coker was gracious enough to be our first guest and we've had Frank Shamrock on a couple times we've had Kung Lee on a couple times we've had Scott Smith on we've had Gilbert Melendez on we've had Jake Shields on Uh, we had the El El Wapo Boss Rutin on as well and we just so many great fighters and and wonderful people that have taken the time to be on the show and I've again I've really really enjoyed that Uh, you know I'm really grateful for every listener that we have Every single one of you that's taken the time to download and listen i'm so grateful for that honestly I, I you know again just being very plain i really put a lot of promotional time into the podcast for the first six months or so and never really saw the big growth and and i don't know all the reason behind that i feel like we put out a quality show uh but i the thing that i think it is is i just think amongst the mma community that there's not enough, there's not as much and really truly not enough uh, of a spotlight that's sh- sh- like shined on MMA history there's just not like in the way that pro res- pro wrestling has productized its legacy and its history. Uh, you know, from I, I mean, the crazy, crazy amount of attention that Conrad Thompson's podcasts have brought to wrestling history. But even even before that, I mean, you had you know the, the uh, WWE Network and uh, WWE 24/7 before that, where they'd show off all these different historical aspects of WWE's history. And you know, they bought a bunch of promotions and uh, you know that are defunct and bought their tape libraries and and pro- again productize those and merchandise those. And so pro wrestling. Has taken that historical aspect and turned it into Dollar signs and something that is you know draw, driven the business MMA is yet to really do that you of course have UFC fight pass and they've got all the pride events all the strike force events and some other uh, Events from other promotions as well where they've bought the tape the type, the tape libraries, excuse me but there's never been that level of interest In MMA history that there is in pro wrestling history and maybe being a fan of both Maybe I thought that there would be more interest in it, you know I went out to a lot of my former contacts in MMA and to be fair It'd been ten years since I'd been involved, uh, you know close to ten years and so I you know I I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but I was I was expecting that there would be more response and I I Haven't gotten a lot of response from the MMA, MMA community to be honest with you As far as the MMA media goes and a lot of them have their own podcast and that sort of thing and so you know, it is what it is. I think it's unfortunate. We have had some on the show. For example, uh, John S. Nash from B- Bloody Elbow. That was a great bonus episode. George Garcia, my friend from MMA Junkie Radio, one of the OGs of, of MMA audio journalism has come on the show and, and I've enjoyed having him on. So, you know, I'm not saying we haven't gotten any support, but we just haven't gotten the level of support uh, that I thought we would. And so after about six months, I was, you know, you know what, I'm going to just focus on enjoying the show. And that's really what I'm about. I mean, I check how many, downloads we get and that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, and and that's fine. But I'm not really worried about that. I'm more worried about, hey, you know, are are, are the shows quality? Are we having fun? Are we having a good time? Am I learning stuff? Am I connecting with people? That's really what's more important to me. And so that's really where we're at today. And so I I did want to mention we have officially joined Evergreen Podcast Network. Uh, This has been a long process. It's taken a while to port over the, uh, the episodes and all that. And, and most, and you won't really notice any difference other than we've, you've probably noticed we have new cover art and I hope that you like that. Uh, and that's pretty cool. But from that, you know, most of the change has been from the back end but now we are part of that. You'll probably hear me on some other evergreen, uh, podcast network sports shows. They have some really cool sports shows that I think are worth checking out. So you'll start hearing some advertisements and some, uh, some other things that you can, uh, that you can enjoy and you might hear some of them on my show as well. Maybe we'll do some bonus episodes and that Sort of thing. So, you'll start hearing more uh, as far as you know promotional noises for the, for the show. But really, truthfully, our plan is to go through the end of Strike Force. We are in uh, two thousand eleven at this point, as far as the events, the the sequence of events. And Strike Force went into two thousand thirteen, so we have a couple years worth of events. We're not going to be doing this show for a couple more years. We've got, according to our schedule, I think nine or 10 more months uh, on the docket to get through all the events. And then, you know, we'll continue to do fighter uh, interviews when we are able to get fighters to, to agree to come on the show and we'll do other interviews and we'll Of course uh, plan to do um, you know our our Josh and I have a really good time doing the shorter kind of interview back-and-forth episodes with each other and so we'll plan to do more of those we have uh, we do have some that have agreed to come on the show that I I don't know if it's gonna happen or not but uh, Tim Kennedy has agreed to come on the show King Mo has agreed to come on the show Rich Chow uh, who was the matchmaker for strike force for a long time uh, has agreed to come on the show and we've got some others that are are lined up we just have not locked down times and we haven't gotten to the sequence of time. I'm in strike force where it makes sense to have them on yet and so when we get there we will we will look to do that uh if you have suggestions or contacts or you're a former strike force fighter yourself uh please reach out to me at phil at inside the hexagon.com. i would love to hear from you uh, and i'd love to be able to, to have you on the show but again i just want to say thank you for all the support uh, all the interest that we've had everything uh, you know word of mouth everything that you've done to help promote the show and would love to have more of that of course uh but again i just want to say thank you and wanted to kind of give you a bit of the origin story of inside the hexagon and kind of what we're doing now and where we're going but with that we're going to go ahead and ride off into the sunset hope that you stay safe and you stay healthy and we will see you soon